Welcome back, guys, to Cut the Curve, episode 10, where I interview moguls, mentors, and serial entrepreneurs. And today we have a local favorite here in Arizona. Um, Morgan is here on our podcast, so welcome, Morgan. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yes, yes. She is with Home Collective, and her resume is amazing. So she is a general contractor, she's a flipper, she's a realtor, she's a designer. Yeah. <laughs> Anything I, think, I missed? No, I think that pretty much <laughs> I think that covers it. Awesome, awesome. And like many of you guys, I met her through Instagram. Yes. I think during the pandemic. Yeah, I think when you got on Instagram, you yep. I think you were doing flips at that time and mm -hmm. then watched you just go crazy in Airbnbs like the past past year. So yeah. it's been interesting watching your business grow. It's been a lot of fun. So um, you've been in the business now five years, you said. Yes. Yeah. I started towards the end of 2017. That is super so. cool. And like, were you an entrepreneur growing up or like what, like, or did you do like the traditional schooling route? What's your kind of backstory, Morgan? So I always had the entrepreneurial spirit as a kid. I knew I didn't really want to work for anybody. I didn't know what that was or what that looked like, but I knew I always wanted to have my own business and be an entrepreneur. And I always loved real estate when I was a kid. I always wanted to go into the open houses and look at them. Um, I tried college for a semester, got a 4.0, but I switched my major to business. Uh -huh. And it was the first day of school. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to go to school. Like, I, As a 19, 20 year old? I was probably maybe 20, 21. Okay. I graduated high school when I was 17. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I mean, there was, there was so much. Right, you know, right. My parents really wanted me to go to college and do the traditional route, but I just really didn't want to at that time. So I tried it. And again, it was the first day of school. I switched my major over to business that morning. And then I was just like, I don't, I, I'm not supposed to be wow. here. So I left in the middle of class. Uh -huh. And two weeks later, I bought my first flip. Holy cow. <laughs> so you never went back after no, that? No, huh? I never went back after that. And what did your two corporate parents, because I know both your parents are, you said, in yeah. the corporate space in the world. So they were what did they say at that time when you're i think at that point they were because i started flipping with my dad so you know they were always supportive but i think just they were trying to push me and what people think as you know the normal traditional direction go to college get a degree and there's nothing wrong with that i just knew that it wasn't it wasn't for me like i right. needed something else and so I just started my own businesses. So were you flipping with or working with your dad in that prior to like? No, we were not. Okay. We were not working together in any sort of way. He had retired about a year earlier and he had always wanted, they had always wanted to flip houses. And I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm into it. So we bought our first flip and then I was like, okay, I need to get my real estate license. So I got my real estate license so I could sell our first house. And then it just kind of took off from there. Steamrolled. Yeah. Yeah. So, so your story kind of parlays to mine. When I was a kid, uh, my parents and I used to drive in these neighborhoods and look at homes. Like, that was exciting for me. I'm like, can we go look at these beautiful big homes and dream? And mm -hmm. so that was kind of my first um, taste at real estate. And my dad always worked like five jobs. So he was a realtor, insurance agent. So 
I always saw him like working all those jobs. I'm like, I want to find one thing and do really good at it and focus and be able to have my time as my time and raise my kids. And that's what took me away from three years, four years in corporate to doing real estate because I didn't, I wanted more freedom of time more than anything. Same. I wanted the time is the most important thing. You don't get it back. You know, you don't want to trade your time for money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you want to do. Most people, unfortunately, a lot of people don't because the money is so like such a pull for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And for me, it wasn't about the money. It was more about the freedom of time. And, but I had to figure out a vehicle to, to go there. So real estate happened to be that vehicle. And you know, we, we had the recession. I mean, you were very young then, but we had the financial collapse to 2009. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you know, I didn't know if I could recover, but had a mentor through that who had been through two others and you know, now we're better than ever for going through the hard times and, but learned a ton. So yeah, you just have to pivot with whatever comes your way, whatever type of market is, you just have to pivot your business. And the great thing about real estate is there's so many different ways to pivot the business. Oh my goodness. That can match any type of economy. Right. And that's, you know, that's the best part. So what age were you Morgan when you flipped your first home? 24. Five turning 26. I think okay. I, we bought it in August or something, and I think I turned 26 that September. Okay. Yeah. Were you nervous or scared, or you were just no? Like, <laughs> I was just like I just did it. I think yeah, of course. I think I was. I, I didn't know what I was doing. We Where didn't was it? Know what we, Where was it? So it was. We bought it for 150 thousand okay. dollars. Um, it is an 85029, so over off Thunderbird and like 35th North, Avenue. Okay. North Phoenix. North Phoenix, yep. yep. Yeah, I North Phoenix. It was, you know, full of wallpaper. You know, an old lady lived there. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, we bought it for 150000 I remember I was just like Googling like houses that needed work on the internet. I wasn't talking to a realtor. Again, I didn't really know much. And I just saw this house and I called the listing agent and it was, it was owned by Fannie Mae. Okay. So it was a hot home, so it was just opening up for investors to buy. And were you a realtor at the time? No, I wasn't. Oh my no, gosh. I got so my license like... in the process of flipping. So we were flipping that house, and then I was in the process of getting my license. And then I would, so I would flip during the day, and then I would waitress at night. Okay. So and I did that for a few years, but no, I didn't. Yeah. So I've done a lot off that freeway. This it's near the I seventeen and. It's a good starter neighborhood. Like mm-hmm. so, um, you bought that one, Morgan, for one fifty. Yeah. How did you know that was? Because numbers, we always talk about ARV and what you buy it for, what you put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did my first one, I'll, I'll share a little bit after you. But like, I didn't know much about that. Mine was off like Fiftieth uh, Avenue and Thomas, so it was in the oh, it's in Maryville, Maryville area. Yeah. Yep. 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 So. How did you know you buy it for 150, you're gonna be able to sell it for the spread? Did you have someone help you with the, the numbers? Because when you buy is really where you make your money because yeah. you know your exit. Yeah, no, I didn't. I ran comps myself. Um, I went to YouTube University. There you go, guys. To learn how to run numbers. And I think like I, you know, Bigger Pockets was a huge, oh my goodness. Yep. Um, educational platform and taught me a lot. YouTube taught me a lot. And 
I just did it that way. I think I was working off like the 70% rule at that time, okay. you know, 70% uh -huh. minus your renovation costs. Um, so no, and I ran comparables myself. I didn't know how to run them, but you know, I knew what they were kind of. And did, did you, what um, price were you gonna sell it for in your original research and did that change? No, it did not change. So I knew that we could sell it for 220. So this was back in 17. You know, I think I listed it at 225 um, and then we appraised at 220. So we, we got under contract for 225, but we appraised at 220. So no, all the numbers worked out on that end. You know, I estimated about a $20,000 rehab. May have gone like a few thousand over, but not too much. Only thing I didn't estimate was the holding time. Okay. It was my, you know, our first one and it took more than eight weeks, you know. They usually do. About five months. Mm -hmm. Five uh, months that turned into, yeah. were you moving walls and? We did, we took down a wall. Um, but it's also just, you know, you don't have contractors, you don't have those connections. You have to yeah. hire these people, you know, for me, that was the hardest part of my very first flip where I didn't know like a roofer. I didn't know a plumber mm -hmm. and I had to develop that Rolodex of people. But in the beginning, it's like starting fresh. So you have to just build you it. Do. You don't yeah. know where to go for deals. You just are kind of like, okay. And you do it, but no, I think, you know, that was. So it, you, did you use the hard money to. to that get one into we it? didn't use hard money. That one we used cash on. Okay. Uh, but I did have a hard money one that was about a three month longer hold than planned. Um, it happens. I told you earlier about the Cambridge one. It was in a historic district here in Arizona that uh, Morgan's very familiar with. and. I held that one for like nine months with hard money. Like <laughs> that was a rough learning experience for sure. I think we've all had one of those yes. where you learned. I, we couldn't have, this was a very, we fell out of contract on close of escrow. Mm, that's the worst. Oh my goodness. I'm gonna go too much into exactly <laughs> what happened because it was a nightmare. But that one, our contractor ended up abandoning the job. So we were just left like in the middle of it. They had burnt through all the money and we're just like, okay, here we are. And this was like, it was in Scottsdale. It was, you know, a 2,400 square foot house. It was huge. It was a massive renovation. We reconfigured the rooms. We added a bedroom. We probably bit off a lot more than I should have, uh -huh. but we did it. I got it done. But um, I don't know if you remember December of 2018, there was a huge drop in the market. Mm, yes, yeah. but we fell out of contract on closing day. So I had already cleared out all the staging furniture, oh. all of that. Like we were ready to close that day and um, the market dropped that month and it didn't. So we had to hold it on market for like another two months until it picked back up in February. Mm, yeah. And a lot of my friends who were flipping too, they had houses and I don't know exactly what happened. I don't remember, but it was the lowest drop in like housing activity and it happened in December of 18. So didn't expect that, so that had us hold the property for another three months on hard money. The, so, I know you're a contractor now, mm -hmm. amongst all the hats <laughs> hats you wear there. So, was that because you were having issues with 
GCs on your projects? Like, yeah, I think we all know like gen they're very terrible. While there's good, but there's more good than there's bad. And I was basically contracting my own projects at the same time. But to be in compliance here, you have to have a contractor on the job if you plan to sell or rent within two years. And of course, I wanted to be in compliance and I wanted to put forward good products. Um, so it just got to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. So you know, I did my experience. I took my test and. I got it, so I can be a And there's not a lot of females. We were talking about this before the podcast, and you are, I'm, I'm glad you're our first female on the podcast in the real estate space. I wish you know, there was more female contractors, more female like flippers, and hopefully it's coming, more wholesale women, mm -hmm. more Airbnb women in the space, because, I mean, you're, you're killing it. And, they bring, you know, you know, women just bring a whole different type of energy that yes. is so needed in this space. And, 100%. you know, contractors have a bad reputation and people feel more comfortable. You know, I hear it a lot. I feel more comfortable with you. I don't feel like you're going to price gouge me. I don't feel that way with you. And, and that's, you know, something that's great that I can, you know, give that to somebody and be, you know, a different energy in the space rather than just, you know, men and women are different in terms of how they handle things and compassion sometimes. And yeah, so you guys will hear it all the time. Horror stories with con contractors. I hear all the time. Uh, you know, I've had my own. And I'm yep, sure you've had I your have own. too over the years. And it's just, I think, making sure, guys, that expectations, 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 because, and keep it in, get it in writing. Like, that's so critical that. Because there's a lot of moving parts, right, on flips. Um, one of the worst experiences that I always hear from investors, new investors in particular, is my contractor told me it was going to be X amount of money. Now it's another $20,000. So that as a new person in the business, like, you don't have that extra twenty. You kind of budgeted. So it's, and it always happens, like, in the middle of the project, it seems. It's like, this is... You know, we, we told you our number and then... And it can, and depending on the property you're flipping when you're new, you know, you get into these houses, especially older ones, and you don't know. There's, there's bad unknowns. plumbing. You there's know, you unknowns. have to replace yeah. the sewer line. That's ten grand right there. There's things that you didn't see that can't be seen in a normal inspection, but with experience comes knowing neighborhoods, knowing Pockets. what to yeah. knowing what to look for. Okay, I'm gonna look for cleanouts at this house because then if they have cleanouts, I probably know the sewer line's been replaced. I'm gonna go check the electrical panel. I'm gonna go check the HVAC. I'm gonna go check those main components of the house that can cost me money and unfortunately only those things come with experience and then you know That's also big. yeah on the other side people add things during the flip you know oh, okay i decide i want to do this i want to do that i want to do this during it and so being very clear that and the contractor and the the new flipper that we could go over there are some unknowns and making them understand that they may come up with some issues that we didn't see. Yeah, I think it, you know, that's important for, you know, this is this home, this in, I tell my clients when I'm in older homes that this could come up, you know your sewer line, once your air been replaced, you know this, you know that, you wanna move walls, well, like my personal house, all of my walls are load bearing. 
So it's not just, you know, a one wall that runs the opposite way of the dresses. No, all of my walls were load bearing. I had a huge engineering bill because I had to put up three beams just to take down one wall. Interesting. So okay. there's, and I didn't even know that, that I was going to have to do that, you know, going into that with knowing what I know. So there's a lot of unknowns that come in older homes. You know, if you're flipping track homes, it's pretty much... You know what's going to be there. They're all the same. The plumbing yes, replaced yes. here. And I think so that's I would recommend. I yes. always recommend new students start with the track homes yep. because a nineteen fifty Hallcraft is going to be way different than something that was built in two thousand out in Chandler. So yeah, it's going to take you longer. Um, you know, older homes that have plaster. That's a longer demo. Um, you could be dealing with asbestos. You could be dealing with things like that. Uh, historic preservation. What's the oldest home you've ever? worked um, on 45 45 okay. mine was probably close but all the flips i've done guys i tried my best to stay away from the homes that were mm -hmm. real old because you talk about unknowns <laughs> they are you know with with that risk can come big reward but you Fact. can also yep. make big reward in track homes as well uh-huh and there's also a certain, and some people just love restoring historic homes that's just their thing yeah and they're they're that's their artistic charm behind mm -hmm. those because they are gorgeous. Um, so can you tell us from a contractor's perspective, Morgan, about the one wall? What is that? Like if you knock down everything but you leave one wall, what, how does that work? Is it only in Arizona where they don't consider it like a brand new build and there's different permits? Do you know? Um, in terms not like I've question. seen like friends of mine that have told me like instead of doing like a, knocking everything down we'll leave just one wall in the house so maybe the permitting is different or so just structure we can you know some walls are structural some walls aren't structural so sometimes you can get away with leaving a post or a part of a wall in that span to where you don't have to um, get a beam or possibly put in a footer Okay. which is another cost that comes with tearing down a wall. You have footers, you know, we have to dig into your concrete, we have to put the rebar, and we have to put a proper footer in. So um, it just depends on the structure of the home gotcha. and what's going on. So in your experience, do you get a lot of permits, like through City of Phoenix and like work with that type of product? Yep, so I work all over the valley. Um, so City of Phoenix is the hardest for permitting. It's the longest wait time currently. But um, you do, the, it's relatively easy to get a permit. Um, most of them are online now. Okay. So it's when you have, depending on the city, like in Phoenix, you could get over-the-counter permits for something that's under 500 square feet that you're building without having to go through a full plan review. But that also depends on what's being done structural-wise and things like that. Every city kind of has their own guidelines it's not hard to pull a permit unfortunately they're just so short-staffed it's the waiting time of the permit process that takes the longest and can really have you hold a property for a while if you're not in encountering you know that so time do you take them chocolate chip cookies like how do you get in, like in front of them like, um you be annoyed. do you get to know some of the people down at the because i've never like had to go down there, but mm -hmm. like I've known contractors that I work with that go down there. So I don't even know the So the with process. COVID, you can't even go in anymore. Okay. It's all online, which gotcha. makes it even harder because nobody answers the phone. It's by email. It's, 
You have to be annoying. Right. You have to be annoying because sometimes you, somebody misses your permit. You have to call and call, hey, 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 I'm wondering. And sometimes I call and, oh, my gosh, my permit was just approved. So. Right, right. And those permits, do you need them through, once you get the home permitted, do you still need more permits while you're, if you find something? Or is that just? Not, like, I mean, let's say if you're going and you find out the sewer line's bad, then you would pull a permit for the sewer line. Okay. Right? Or, but usually it's depending on the type of house, you know what you're going to need to do up front. You're, um, but again, not knowing if there's a sewer line or maybe you started permits before. Okay. But usually you just pull one round at the beginning. Gotcha. And then you're good and through the entire process. And then you just have your inspections. So framing, plumbing, depending on what you're doing. So I'm curious your thoughts, Morgan, on someone like yourself who now is very good at renovation and you could do a lot of the work yourself, you said, versus, um, so time versus money. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying for a new person out there that is very good, they could do the work themselves, but they could also hire someone to do the work. So now instead of doing this one deal, they could do three deals, but mm -hmm. the work they're trying to save money. So like, what are your thoughts on that Hire perspective? Somebody Hire somebody because you're going to spend the money in holding costs because people forget about taxes, people forget about insurance, they forget about those things that those also come with points. holding the property longer. And they also don't encounter market shifts too. You right. know, somebody could have been holding a house in January. They thought it was going to be finished in February. And then we get hit with these interest rates and it's no longer the same market. So always hire someone. Mm. I mean, if there's like a little feature wall or some fun project you want to do and you want to do yourself, but you want to hire someone because time is money and that's the most, you're right. going to spend more money doing it yourself. Even if you're good guys, because I had a friend of mine, a good buddy, um, Mike, back in the day so he was doing three i was doing like six or seven at the time he mm -hmm. did three because he wants to go lay his own flooring and tile i'm like why don't you just pay someone you're making good money on your flips but that's the the stubbornness maybe of him but like i highly agree with you on that because it always takes longer you're, it takes longer you and you're probably going to go to the store like three or four times because you don't have these the right tools, right? Yeah. Or you don't have the right items. I mean, I get it. If you're a lifelong plumber, then you maybe want to do the plumbing, right? I get it. It's a big cost. But doing everything yourself, everybody makes that mistake at first mm -hmm. because everybody thinks it's going to save them money, but it doesn't. It, in the long run, guys, it, doesn't it save you costs money you money, right? Because time is money, and that's yeah. the most expensive thing out of it. Out of everything, I mean, if you're doing your numbers and it only makes sense that if you're doing the work, then that's probably not a deal that you want to buy because things can happen. And yeah, if you don't have that good of a cushion and it's only going to make sense doing the work, then that's probably a deal that I would never buy. So we're not going to touch on it too much, but inflation, markets shift. Mm -hmm. um, just wanted to know your kind of take because you're in the game every day we hear a lot of new stuff i'm not like i see it daily but i was just wondering your take on the whole shift of market right now so in terms of like looking at a traditional real estate aspect you know when i started interest rates were five and six percent my mm -hmm. clients had six and a quarter interest rates granted i understand houses were cheaper at that point 
but you can't have low interest rates and more options at the same time. So I think that anytime you buy a home, at least when I do, even my own personal house I just bought, I go into looking at it as an investment, right? Yep. It's an investment. I know it's a home, but it could also be your greatest asset that can bring so much more wealth. So I look at everything as an investment. Um, I don't think it's a bad time to buy. This shift was needed so much because, I mean, we all saw, saw how insane it was trying to get a house for, sure. um, for home buyers for anything. The problem is after 08 and 09, they stopped building houses for the millennial generation. Mm. There still is not enough housing Shortage. for how many yeah. people live here. And, and I think it's all over the country. All like, No, all yeah. over the country. There's not enough, there's not enough housing. Mm -hmm. So I think when people think we're going to get another 08 or 09 again, I don't think that that's what's happening right now. There is a market shift, but I just feel like it's back to the market that I came into. You have to Facts, put forth yeah. a good product. Yeah. You know, you can't put out this crappy flip. We've all seen them. You know, mm -hmm. you now want to have the best house on the market. You're going to want a stage. You're going to want to, if you're not a designer, maybe look at hiring a designer. You know, the basic gray and white flip isn't going to cut it anymore for that price. So there's more competition now, but a lot of investors who only came in um, during the past two years are dropping out. So now is an amazing time yeah. for new investors to get in. And for sure. I'm excited, one, for you know my traditional buying clients, I'm, I'm excited for them because it is heartbreaking watching them lose yeah, out. Bet. Like I feel it, like I cry with them. It is so heartbreaking, you know, when a family is, you know, missing out on, on all these houses, 20, 30 offers, and you know, it's insane. But I don't think it's something to be scared of again I'm really flexible. I have so many ways to shift in any market. I'm excited for the yeah. new market. I yeah. think it's a great time for people to get who want to buy and get into investing. It's a great time because a lot of the quote unquote competition is dropped out because they're scared of what's to come. Right, right. So being a traditional buyer's agent too, you must be a saint because that that is hard work. I don't know if you like, that is like, I could never be a traditional realtor because you do get your heart broken so many, you especially do. in today's market. You like the do. family really finds a house they fall in love with. And guess what? There's 10 offers, right, or I don't know, probably more than 10. Like, yeah, no, there's, when I was buying a house, there was like 20 offers. I literally lost out on what I thought was my dream house. And I, but... I felt it too. Like I went through that process as well, but I knew, I just believe that everything happens for a reason, 100%, right? It's not yeah. coincidence that it happened. I loved the house, but I wasn't meant to and have then when it. When you try to force stuff, I don't know about you, Morgan, but I learned. You can't. You, you usually bite you in the, in the it butt. It will. Your <laughs> intuition, like... your first thought, always follow it. Yeah. You always follow your gut feeling about things. And now I bought a great house and I'm, even with renovations, I'm going to have a solid amount of equity in an up and coming area. Yeah. You know, and it's like you said, it's an investment. Like it is. you have to look at it that way. And then you move to another house and you yeah, know. I moved to another house. I probably paid a little bit 
too much for the work that it needed, but I knew I could compensate that cost just because of my background. But I also knew where the neighborhood was going, so I was confident so buying again, it at that price. So again, it's about knowing the pockets, right? And mm -hmm. that gets back to what you talked about with working with experienced people that know, well, this neighborhood will need this, per you know, certain things. Yeah, and the age of the home. I mean, if you have somebody experienced, if you have an experienced realtor in certain, not like I've sold all over the valley, pretty much in every city. Uh huh. And you still know. What are you, house. Wonder Woman? I don't know. I just end <laughs> up all sleep? over. Like, Do you ever sleep? I'm like. I I love driving. Like I don't have a problem driving, but I just end up all over the valley. That's why. Somehow, <laughs> somehow I'm just I'm here. I'm there. I'm in Chandler. I'm in Gilbert, Phoenix, and it's Queen Creek. Good. Then you know the pockets because we're doing a video about that like you really need to know the schools the different things that make the neighborhood great so yeah and knowing what you know the house could sell for you know I think we're coming into a market for buyers too where you're gonna want a house where you can force appreciation mm -hmm. and that was my biggest thing buying I knew that if the market shifted okay so what my plan is to hold this house anyways for at least 10 years and I know that I have that cushion of forcing appreciation. Can you explain that to some viewers that may not understand? Yeah, so force? forcing appreciation is forcing the house value to go up through renovations. So buying a house that needs work. You're always gonna have that cushion from being at top of market when you buy it. So you always know, okay, well I can do renovations and increase my value rather than buying a fully renovated home at the top of market and you know that works for people and that's fine but it also depends on your strategy where you're at in your life your job and right what you want to do with the house is this your home you want to live in forever is this again how do you look at it is your it an goals. investment yeah. is it a home what is this for you you know and i think if something's your home and you love it make it what you want it pay what you want for it at the end of the day because how you feel about your home the energy that's in your home is important for sure for sure hey guys Quick announcement, I just launched my new Passive Income Accelerator course. In this course, you'll learn how I built my Airbnb portfolio to 10 properties and growing while amassing three to $5,000 per property per month. If you wanna learn more, go to piaaccelerator.com slash go and sign up for the early bird special. And now back to the podcast. And if I had to go up a little bit, I typically went up if I really wanted that property and ends up I made money on it anyway by going up a little bit. So um, what about like your niche with investors? So you're like, so one of the main questions I always ask realtors when I was trying to build my team back 20 years ago. I read a book and it's like, build your team, get a, a CPA that understands real estate, you know, get certain people around your hard money lender, mortgage broker. So what does that um, look like? Do you work with investors like as a realtor? Did you purposely get your license to work with investors or what was that? Because um, there's so many options when you're, just entering real estate like in i didn't limit myself to a niche per se when i started real estate because that's just me i want to do everything i want to do everything i want right. to try it all she's wonder woman basically you know i want to yeah so i 
Um, when I went in, I just started working with investors because I was investing, so I understood it. I was working with flippers. You know, I help people, I help investors, I'll sell their houses and I'll also design it for them. Sometimes I'll contract it for them. It just depends. I just got in and that was a specialty for me is working with investors. And I feel like it's a one-stop shop too for your investors because they you are. have I'm, that knowledge of they're not having to look elsewhere. They're like, you have this, this, and this. Yeah, and that was my goal starting my business to be that one-stop shop because I know how frustrating it is to go to all these different, you know, being a contractor, I'm dealing with all these subcontractors. So I know how hard it is to go through all these. But, you know, I've done my fair share even after that. I had originally gotten my license just to, you know, do my own flips and sell my own. But then I just started taking traditional. So I've worked with it all. I, I sell houses that need work a lot. You know, my investors, I sell their houses for them when they want to go on market. I sell a lot of fire damaged houses. You know, I sell renovated houses. So I don't necessarily limit myself and I never wanted to, but I've pretty much worked in every aspect of and that's amazing because you have a broad spectrum of what you could like you know you learned a lot of different areas yeah and you know i needed all of that in my business i felt like it was you know it's an asset to have right to have that knowledge because a lot of people don't so it's nice to be able to provide that not only for myself but for other people as well so what do you look for what do you think someone just starting in the home flipping business should look for like is there price neighbor like what did what did you start looking for as a investor i think i stuck to numbers and i stuck to places that i knew that were close to home mm. so i knew north phoenix very well i grew up around there i knew it i knew who was going to be buying in that neighborhood because i lived there if i was a first time flipper would i go into a luxury market probably not Right. probably gonna you know unless you have a partner right but, right um that's not you know i love townhouses and condos i've made most of the money on townhouses and condos that's they're so one of my favorite crazy things to do. you say that because i s stayed away from townhouses and condos for years because oh what about those hoa rates like i made so much money once i got into townhomes and condos one of the best things, as you know, you don't have to do the exterior. No, and it's usually a smaller space. Yes. So your budget goes Love a it. long way. Yep. And so you... as a first-time investor, that's perfect. I like, love them, and I still yeah. to this day will do townhouses and condos because I love them. You can flip them fast. Um, there is always been a housing affordability, and those are, you know, the next affordable right. type of houses. Are townhouses and condos depends on the area. Sometimes I will stay away from high HOAs, like eight, nine hundred dollar right. HOAs, crazy things like but that. But like two, two fifty, you're okay That's with. standard. That's kind of normal. That's normal yeah. for a townhouse or a condo because of some of the amenities you're getting, and depending on your exterior maintenance. Mm -hmm. But it is nice because they just focus on the interior, and it's fast. Yeah. So I bought one in Central Phoenix recently and I got the HOA and it was 560 and I'm like I've never paid that much for HOA but it includes all the AC like yeah and I'm like that's pretty good because the guests it's now an Airbnb the guests come and especially today is what 115 out there so they they're, crank it as low dying. as they want people they're, come here it's like six they put it on 60 degrees exactly so. exactly so having that 550 in retrospect it's not that bad because your ac bill is a fortune in the summer as we know yeah i sold a 
condo in Central Phoenix with about a thousand dollar HOA, but mm -hmm. you had a pool, you, your utilities were included, you had all these amenities. specific amenities. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes it may take a little bit longer to sell, but there are people who like that. Right. There's people who don't want to deal with their house, you know, or they're not there all the time. They don't want to maintain. Right. There's no big backyard, like, and I don't yeah. know like what the millennials do or like how that generation, but there's a lot of people that are traveling a lot. They're not really there. So yeah. they just need a place to like sleep. A lot and of young professionals, young professionals, you know, maybe young couples, first time at their job, first time home buyers, maybe just moved here. Don't know where they want to live yet. I love that advice though, Morgan, because they're more affordable for us as investors mm -hmm. too. So for your first one, like my first Airbnb um, was, two and a half years ago and I paid 185 for it right off 44th Street and like the 202 okay. by, by Sky Harbor. Okay. And my buddy Sasha, he's like, it's this price and I'm like, I don't pay retail. But then he showed me the financials on the Airbnb. It had been an Airbnb for eight years. I'm like, I'll take it. So, and that was a townhouse and it's just, look at the townhouses look at the condos they're very low entry and like my flipping has mainly always been bread and butter stuff so stuff that's you know affordable housing because you could always move that out yep and so that's kind of what i've done over the years um i was going to ask you what was your biggest project as a home flipper was the project where everything happened <laughs> the contractor <laughs> abandoned the job the buyers fell out close of escrow that was in the scottsdale one that was scottsdale mm -hmm. that was scottsdale and so again we moved to the kitchen we added a bedroom Shh. we i made this massive closet into a master bathroom i so i converted the closet into this massive ensuite so I took on a huge pride and that was only my second flip. Oh my goodness. She stepped into it. <laughs> but I'm just like, okay, let's, let's go. Let's learn. You know, looking back, could I, I, who did, did you do that alone or did your dad do it with My you? dad was on that one as okay. well. Yep. He was on that one as well. So, I mean, that was a very, I learned so much, but you learn so much when those things happen. Cause if everything went perfect, then you wouldn't learn. And, and that's the thing. Like if you want to flip, you have to be at the project like go down if you hire a general contractor or you manage subcontractors i've done that before because i learned so much by being there and years ago i started working with a lot of canadians when the recession happened mm -hmm. so i was doing them a disservice by doing everything because they wanted to learn the flipping business so if you really want to learn you got to be in the job, seeing yeah. it, observing it. Definitely. At the start, you need to be there. And then again, you build systems and you start building yes. a team that you trust to do that for you. But at the beginning, you're doing yourself a disservice by not being there. Right. Because right. you don't know everything. And if you did, then what's the point of anything if you right. don't know and, everything? And one of the things, as we talked about prior, Morgan, is like the numbers. So how much is it going to cost me to do this 1,100 square foot townhome? Like, and the other thing is, if you're flipping it, make sure you don't overbuild it because I've done that in mm -hmm. the past where, you know, especially, especially when I've had certain partners and they have these ideas and then I get excited and then we're overbuilding, overspending. So know your, 
pockets, your neighborhoods. Yeah, you have to, I mean, you have to stick to your numbers. That's something that I was always able to do, but I was also able to be creative and still get what I wanted for, but you have to, that, or you're going to lose money. If you don't stick to your numbers and stick to what you know and... What was your budget out there in Scottsdale? Do you remember? So that budget was originally the contractor had quoted us forty thousand. We ended up spending a hundred thousand on that house. On renos? On everything, on the reno. I think it was reno, hard money costs all together. But it ended up being double what our original budget was for that. So in the midst of the project, you had to let the contractor go? It he abandoned like? the job. Oh, he, he ran, just, he did okay. his normal contractor thing, ran out of money, used the, you know, Rob Peter to pay Paul. And I had that happen to me in yeah. Scottsdale, as a matter of fact, in Old Town. And mm-hmm. then like, what do you mean? I paid you for these beautiful cabinets and you got these? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, he was, it was... You have to make sure, like, I would... Here's what I do nowadays. I would go see three of their properties, see what kind of quality of work they produce, and then maybe give them a small thing to do, a smaller job, because 40,000, like 50, that's a lot of money to... Yeah, back then it was. I mean, now that doesn't get you much of a renovation. The prices (laughs) have... Back then it was a decent (laughs) amount. Um, but you know, we didn't lose money. We definitely didn't make as much money as we wanted to. Right. Um, but, but you didn't lose. I like, didn't, we didn't lose. Have, and that was, let's talk about losing. Cause I know I've lost, like I mentioned to you on Cambridge, 19th Avenue and Canto district. I, I know I lost 80 on that one. So that was my biggest loss ever. Hard money, closing, holding. Then I had I did it wrong the first time. I had to totally renovate again. So oh, just, you renovated it twice? Yes, yeah, because the realtor's like, you need to add this, this. You have to do the kitchen this mm-hmm. way. So that was early on, and like, but it was painful. But learned a ton through that. I probably like, made it back tenfold. So yes, yes. So it's um, no, we've never lost. I've never lost money. Um, I want to hang out with her more. I'm going to stick to that. <laughs> Take I'm, her to the Vegas. <laughs> um, I've never lost money, but again, I'm very, I can be realistic with myself. I get it's hard to like look at a house or pass up, or maybe you're not getting deals in all the time and you just want to get in or you just right, want to do right. something. But that is your, I have passed houses up that I have fell in love with because the numbers didn't work and it's just sticking it, to the numbers. It's numbers, numbers, numbers. It's not like, it's, that's why I could never deal with, traditional home buyers because it's very emotional like yeah. they're atta- and that's understandable because that's where you spend most mm-hmm. of your time but for me it's numbers for Morgan it's strict numbers it's numbers like no matter how much I love it no matter what I want to do with it and again I I design my houses more than probably my competitors but I can do it without spending the, uh-huh. you know that money because there's ways to be creative and problem solve and still get that same effect but that also comes with working with somebody who knows design or you know hiring a design professional so yeah it kind of just depends on your skill level and what assets that you bring to the job and sometimes it's good to partner with somebody who's the total opposite of you who can bring that to the job especially if it's like your first few or something you know JVing somebody JV or, is a great idea that's joint venture so Again, a lot of you guys say you don't have money, and that's that's kind of a um, limiting belief. Like, 
because I, I always think, I always know money is easy to find. The hard thing is finding those deals that make money. So you have to know the numbers and money's everywhere. So lock up the deal and then figure out who to JV with or bring it to us. Like because if it makes sense, people will give you the money. Exactly. You know, if exactly. it makes sense. So it's not, I, everybody does get caught up on the money, but if you have a deal, you have a deal and right. somebody's going to be interested in it. Yeah. So where do you find your deals? Like how have you been able to stay, stay stability? Cause I personally, started i stopped flipping about two two and a half years ago because mm -hmm. i started the airbnb business and it, it's a different business model that mm -hmm. we could talk about but where are you finding deals or where would like someone watching this where would you recommend they track down deals so i got a lot of well, when I first started, wholesalers were actually, you know, still kind of wholesalers. They're not really so much anymore. You know, if they don't want to flip it, they'll put it out. It's not what it used to be. But there's wholesalers. I just through social media and, you know, marketing in a sense, people saw what I was doing and they would come to me with a deal or somebody needed to sell their mom's house or somebody was, you know, underwater on a flip. We and bought. I hear it's TikTok. Is it TikTok? So back in the day, I wasn't using TikTok. I got it from Instagram, but oh, TikTok awesome. is... And that's how we met through Instagram. Is <laughs> where I convert most of like my design and renovation leads from come from TikTok. So you don't advertise it. I don't advertise right on, at all. It's the, probably the new way to advertise it. Yeah, I've like just always... TikTok? I'm really good at social media and marketing. I just in marketing through social media in a sense, but no, I've never paid for advertising. I've never. So paid you for leads. like me. So my business has always been like networking with mm -hmm. realtors because one of the common questions early on was like, Oh, you're just going to work with me as a realtor. Well, I'm an investor. I need mm -hmm. so many homes and mm -hmm. like, there's so many different pockets like we talked about. So as an investor, you have to keep the options open and work with a multiple number of realtors out there that bring you deals so like we had a realtor bring us a scottsdale deal because it was a hoarder's house and she can't really list it so things like that guys if you establish rapport with realtors i think for me that was my way to get a lot of business you're gonna attract what you put out there yep you're gonna attract it. You, if you're on social media, you're talking about investing. You're Power talking focus, about this. Guys, yeah. You're talking about that. Those things are gonna come your way. I believe in that. Um, yeah. And that's just how I got my flips. They would come to me in a sense. I bought one from a wholesaler. Um, the rest of them came to me needing to sell. So because I put myself out there in that sense that that this is what I do. Yeah. So you know I'm a firm believer. If you put it out there, it's gonna come to you. Yeah. So. So. Not saying, you know, not everybody can do that. There's so many ways to find leads. Some people go after foreclosures. Some people go after, you know, certain things. You just kind of find your niche. Some people still door knock. And, right, yeah. And do things like that. Um, so. And now is a great time to new people to enter the marketplace because, again, some of those people have dropped off. Guess what? Like A lot of people have dropped off yeah. only so many investors who just got in it and who only made money because the market was appreciating so fast. Yes. Who probably overspent, who just bought to bought and got lucky. A lot of those people have dropped out now right. because they're scared of the market. But if you have a different type of mindset, you see this as this massive opportunity to get in now. Yeah. 100%. To it. 
So do you, Morgan, do any like networking events or is it all through social media? I don't do a lot of networking events. No, I should. Um, kind of actually quite introverted. Me so too, but I'm, I'm trying. an intro extra because I'd like to do be around people but then i need my time to recharge recoup and recharge <laughs> yeah, and you because it's so giving all the time when you're like it, you especially know. when that's not like naturally you it's like hard but i i am 100%. like coming out here like i've never done a podcast before like thank i would have never thought thank you for like, i've never done a podcast that. before like i like, oh but <laughs> stretch um, a little bit right yeah like, but social media has you know, you have to come out of your shell on there in order to build a following or... But you have so much great information for people out there, whether, like, I'm, let's face it, women, like, they should follow you because they could learn a great deal from your journey as, you know, doing things that a lot of women know they could do but maybe there's a stay whatever i don't know but like i think everybody's big thing is you know how do they get that's the hardest question that they ask I've you ever get from anybody and it's the hardest question for me to answer on how to get started because there's no clear path right i can right. tell you go pull up foreclosures, call them, do this, you know, try to see that I can tell them this, but I literally just jumped in and there's no way to start. You just have to start and you learn from there or get a mentor. That's the I, thing. Yeah. I never had a mentor and I wish I did. Um, but I also learned a lot from not having one Interesting. It, because I had to, I didn't have somebody there to mentor me through so Probably. you had to figure, you figured, I figured it out. everything. And that's why I know so much. And I'm not saying that that's a path to go because if I could go back, I would a hundred percent have a mentor, but I also had people who were willing to help who I could call and, you know, ask things to sometimes. And again, the internet, like yeah, I, you, like you mentioned YouTube, I University. am on it. I was on the internet all the time. I read books. I did that, you know, it's a lot of self-development too. Like it did. And I think that's part of the reason why I got so far, but I still, I think at any part of your career having, there's always going to be somebody who knows more than you. If you're, you're the always, smartest person in the room, there's a problem. Like yeah. you don't want to be like, you want someone to elevate. Your, always having a yeah. mentor or, you know, different partners, again, different JVs. You guys bring so many different things to the table that can expand. And it wasn't because I didn't want to mentor. Again, I'm super introverted. I think I was just more scared to ask or to, right. like, put myself out there. Right. Like, um, are they gonna, what are they going to say? Yeah, or what like, are they going to say? Are they going <laughs> to... Reject me. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's scary at, at some point. I get it. I was there. And I think that's why I went through... I think my growing process was slower than if I would have had a mentor. Right. So, and it's different for everyone, right? Like, so, but there is a way to excel it with mm -hmm. a mentor. A hundred percent. Because nowadays they're so accessible and they're like, everywhere. Yeah. I, granted, there's, you know, people trying not very good mentors who there's people mentoring who have never done it before. Right. Mm. And there are also, you know, mentors out there. So if you can bring value to a mentor, love that. And all the guests talked about bringing val value to the mm -hmm. mentor because like one of the worst things is like, hey, Flip, can we take you out to lunch or pick your brain? And that's not really value to me. Like I could go, I don't eat lunch some days. I like picking my brain. What is like provide value, like 
something they could help us with as, and then that goes a long way. It does, you know, picking your brain, when people say they want to pick your brain, it's hard sometimes because while you do and you're more than willing to help, it's, there's no, you know, you get to a point to where you're busy and, you know. Yeah, it's not that do I mean? don't want to help, but like I have a schedule like time, man, like you I would do. love to you help have to. everyone. I but. want to respond to every single message that I get. Like I want to help people in that sense, but it, it comes to a point where it gets hard. So you do have to bring value to someone. And then I know you think, oh, well, well, what value can I bring? What, I don't know. What do they need? Do they need somebody to run around and do things for them all day? Alex Camacho was on the show. He hired someone to, like me, I hate driving. He gave me a good idea. He hired someone to drive him places while he was on the phone cutting, like making deals. How great would that be for someone that could do that four hours a day for anyone would bring that like may not be the most glamorous job some people but you're hearing him like that's like a golden just to get in the door guys like and it may not be glamorous but like who cares like i would dig up whatever you need to dig up to get in the business right and you know you're so trading your time for knowledge now you know and that's invaluable is you know giving your time to someone for that person's knowledge it's an invaluable thing to give them. For sure. You know, it may not be the most glamorous job at first, but the real estate community and investing community is so nice. 100%. Everybody yeah. is so willing to help, especially if you're willing to help yourself too. That's because helping the thing. yourself yep. <laughs> is also bringing value to that person that you want to learn from. That's helping yourself. So, why it may not, don't ask somebody if you want to pick their brain. Do you need somebody to do this? Do you need somebody to drive? Do you want somebody to door knock? Do you want somebody to do flyers? Do you need help with your social media? You know? You I'd be can, like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Come okay, help. yeah. Come, on come over. do this. Come do this. And then, yeah. you know, we'll. And it's I, a we'll trade off, talk. guys, because again, they may not have money to pay for mentorship, but mm -hmm. guess what? You need help. Brent, everyone. Everybody is growing needs their help. Business. You yeah. just have to be creative and put yourself out and putting yourself out there is the hardest part because people were again, and everybody has always been so friendly in this community and so willing to help and they love helping other people. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, achieve because not a, Everybody you come in contact with who wants help isn't going to do it, right? Because it takes a specific type of person it really does. to want to change their life, a, a, a specific type of mentality. Because after a certain age, what is it? You're kind of hardwired a You're hardwired to run the rat race. Yeah, let's face hard, the facts, you know, guys. You're hardwired. Nine to five, 30, 40 years. And like when I told my parents I was leaving corporate, they're like, what's wrong? Like something was wrong. <laughs> like they didn't understand like I could, I want to go make my own things happen like and it's been a blessing but it hasn't been easy right it's not an easy it's not path. easy it's not immediate it's not glamorous it's not it's not anything you know it's working smarter you don't always have to be you know working i think also like hustle culture is can be toxic that you have mm. to work 24 7 to get somewhere and that's not if you're it's creative not, i got really sick like four or five years ago and I thought that was the thing to do, like keep working, but it's not. You, it's you, the not. balance is so important. You know, create, you know, 
creative thinking and thinking outside the box and developing systems and hiring people teams to systems help you those are like is you know working this 24/7 is not sustainable for anybody and I don't believe in that and I don't think that you have to you know hustle culture there's a you know work smarter you yeah. don't your having you know your your health is the biggest thing because if you don't have your health it doesn't matter what right, you're doing right and i still believe in like vision boards like visualization like meditate like all that really works and like, i think that's a common <laughs> thing in any type of entrepreneur we all do that uh -huh. right we all meditate we all journal we we all manifest we all because we know the power of thought and right. we know how it works and it's I know it's different when you're not in that yet, but once you get into it, the whole a whole world of opportunity oh my goodness. opens I, up to yeah. you. Yeah. So when I first got, there wasn't the YouTube, so I'd be at Barnes and Noble in the self development. Like, who's it? Like, no one would go to those sections. But nowadays, everyone is in that because you could get it from YouTube. You could. So when I'm alone upstairs, I'm turning on YouTube. I'm li listening to books. I'm listening to positive affirmations like I do that and it, it may sound but it works no like, I don't watch yeah. you know it's very rare I watch TV I'm listening if I'm in my car sometimes I like to listen to music but I'm listening to a motivational speech I'm listening right. to something like that and it's I'm, so accessible guys and it's, it's on YouTube free. yeah it's, it's free. free it's on whatever YouTube, YouTube like they whatever have. source there's podcasts you can listen to and you know, we spend so much time driving and in our cars. And if we take that time to read a book, maybe you like reading. Or listen to Cut the Curve. We're on Spotify now. Yes. Listen <laughs> to podcasts. If you take any of the time you're wasting watching television or any type of programming or just doing things that aren't progressing you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you listen, well, this was years ago, but. You open the newspaper, not a lot of people read newspapers anymore. It was always the doom and gloom. Like how, like, go to the podcast, listen. Like, I don't listen to local news and stuff like that. I stopped watching the news like, probably two just, years ago, and it's been the best yeah, cause, thing. Because that first 30 minutes of your day is that the sets most your day. <laughs> important time. And, you know, when you wake up, you should not be checking your phone. You should not be looking at your email. You should not be going on social media. You should spend that time for self-reflection, meditating, journaling, getting yourself ready for the day to handle all the reactive things or that are yeah. going to happen, all the conditions, the pissed off email. I don't meditate in the morning or do some type of self-work before I go out for my day. I know how it affects me. Yes. If you ever had to rush out and you're like, it's, and it's, and you just feel like everything went wrong that it's day steamrolls. because yeah. I didn't take the time to center myself and to get there. And now when conditions come at me, it's okay. I'm right. not going to freak out right. like I would. And I'm not going to react like even, and you're not like, Okay, I'll get back to you. Let me think about the situation. And like, instead of like, yeah, so it, it definitely helps, but it takes discipline. Mm -hmm. But why wouldn't you want to learn that skill and do it when you wake up, whether it's reading before you go to bed to like 10 minutes reading to I like it, it becomes a habit after you do it for so long. You have and it's a habit. And then when you don't do it, you see how it affects your day and right. your life. Like if you miss that, if you don't center yourself at the beginning of the day and if you don't do these things, because then you just get stuck back in the rat race. Yeah. And we have the game over there. I don't know if you played it. 
um, Rich Dad Poor Dad board board game? No, I've never. Oh played my that. goodness, we should have you order for a game. Night. Is it like Monopoly? It's similar. I love it's Monopoly. Similar. I've loved yeah. it as a child, and now I know why. That's like, my favorite this is game mine. too. Yeah, I love Monopoly. I'll spend hours playing it. Okay, we'll have you over, and we'll play Rich Dad Poor Dad. But just it's spun off the book, of mm -hmm. course, and the goal is to get out of the grind, the nine to five, and create your own reality per se. And yeah, it, it works like. But the thing is, you got to stick to it, guys. Like you, you have to, and you'll fall off. I think we've all fallen oh, off for of sure. it. Yeah. And then you start again, and then you fall back off. But you know, the main thing to it is what what your essential morning routine is is maybe not going to be somebody else's. So you, you have, have to, to find, find your you have to find what works, works for, for you. You, yeah. you know, I meditate. I know every day I meditate. I journal. Do shadow work. That's a huge thing. Um, shadow work What's shadow that? work so shadow work is working on and accepting maybe I don't want to say negative but negative traits you have so for example like this made me react to this day what happened what can I think back that happened that made me have this reaction right because every when people have negative reactions it's a projection of themselves inside mm. it's because something has happened to them because if not if we worked through that like you said we're not probably going to react to it so it's really finding out the things that make you react in those parts of your personality because everybody doesn't have everybody's not perfect we all have bad, tra have, bad traits yeah and we will react and then we yeah that I hear you like and when you become aware yeah, of those self-awareness and you know why like, you're doing it right and you know the biggest part is becoming aware that you're doing that once you start becoming aware then you can start fixing that and so, it just makes you grow and, and that's huge into self-development and self-growth is expecting knowing what makes you tick knowing how to react knowing why that made you react yeah especially as an entrepreneur in the real estate space owning your own business you have so much that you could react to but just learning how not to react and it's a constant work in progress for it is me, it's always least. you know there's yeah. days you know i say so much of how you know try not to be reactive but there are days i have my reaction <laughs> right usually I'm by myself some days in my car. aren't as good as the other days <laughs> but i react too but uh, the mentality i have now versus four years ago i wouldn't know what to do if the mm, things that have cool. happened to yeah. me now if i wasn't you know doing self-help self-reflection meditation journaling and figuring out about myself because your bad traits aren't necessarily going to be bad anymore if you're become aware of them and then you're able to fix them and work on them right that's beautiful yeah so it's different for everyone though you have to figure out what works for you as an individual and it took me like journaling has always been my go-to mm -hmm. because for me, like since sixth grade, I would write goals in my uh, Snoopy journal and all that. So I still have those and it's cool to look back to, but like it really helps you like let go of rough moments and like for Writing me, it down, reading it. Visualizing your goals, it. accepting tough stuff. So that's what we learn as entrepreneurs because it's not an easy road. Like It's not, it's not your paychecks you don't know i'm going to get paid this amount every week you know you may have a few months without income oh, you may have I, we, i've all had those we've and, all had those months where we don't have any income and that's just we've had this we, it's such an up and down and it's and, such and it's a mental game entrepreneurship is mental yes it's yes. a mental it's a mindset it's a mindset change from what you've been taught growing up 
your your entire life that you have to go through you know school and you learn these things and then it's up to you to really gain essentially critical thinking skills that's big yeah and one thing i would say to that morgan which i wasn't good at is asking for help like okay. <laughs> i'm not talking like it, it may wind into your personal life too but in business like so, like you mentioned earlier so many in the real estate community are willing to help you but we don't know you need the help so it's like and i don't think anytime i haven't asked for help someone hasn't helped me 100 percent. and yeah. i think it through my whole life it's been hard for me to ask for help because i've been super independent and i am kind of introverted so i'm just like a little nervous but Every time I've gotten past an asked, I'm like, oh, okay, wow. All I had to do was ask. Really, all you have to do is ask and somebody is gonna be willing to help you. Right, right, that's awesome. So in closing uh, this podcast, Morgan, where, um, where are you headed this year and, and beyond in these five or six hats that you wear? Like, I, all things real estate, it sounds. Yeah, I, again, I started off real estate I love real estate. Um, I really investing, um, creating passive income is my you know biggest goal. We got to get you in the Airbnb. I, I those interest me so much because it's also a hospitality experience mm -hmm. in those. And I grew up in I worked in hospitality for ten years in a in you know so the transition for you would be like. It's, it's, not, it's all about the experience. Right, it's about the experience. And I so long have created these experiences. So that is something I'm super interested in is just passive income because, again, my time is important to and me. And you get to collect these passive incomes. That's what I love because you and I create these beautiful flips and then you sell them. So Yeah, this, and that's active investing. That's and active. I think correct. flipping is great. It's fun, but it, I think we all get to a point where we realize how valuable time is and how experiencing life and whether it's spending time with family, whether it's traveling, whether it's doing yes. nothing because it's okay to do nothing. Yeah. It yeah. is okay to do nothing or whether it's just doing that you know i do that on sundays and like i had to let myself do that like right you feel bad <laughs> yeah. because you know some weeks when you're an entrepreneur are busier than others and then you're sitting here like okay what do i do now what can i do right now right and you're like but get this like you're so recharged it's like a battery like it is and then you, it is you're not grouchy when you go to work and like oh i gotta do this <laughs> like, no and you get time and i think i started realizing too when i was you know, trying to work that nine to five kind of lifestyle, you know, you're at work or you're working all week and then you have two days off to spend with your family, but to clean, but to get groceries, but to do this. Errands, and then yeah. before you know it, it's Monday again and you're just back. And that's just that rat race. You know, you're not given enough time off to actually come out of this almost like mind programming. Right. And I, I think, feel most people are mind programmed, like hypnotized with, especially with the news, like it's a box that it's antiquated. Go to YouTube. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> That's all I could say on one that. One of the best matter. things I ever did for my life was stop watching the news. Yeah. And I know people are like, well, how do you know what's going on in the world? I know what's going on in the world. I know what's happening, but I'm also not subjecting myself to negative programming constantly to keep me low vibrational and to keep me reactive mm, to things yeah. all the time because totally. they're also we don't share how much good there is in the world and it's not turning a blind eye to what's going on because i feel like the news is just more opinions now rather than 
what it used to be back in the day where they would just read it and it's done. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> this is what happened today. It's done. And now it's just opinion-oriented in a fact. And fortunately, I think it really turns people against each other now. Mm. And um, community and networking and stuff, everything is just so important. So The community is big, yeah. Whatever you do to have someone around you and share ideas like it's and huge. team building too is team building is big you know getting around other people in your in your area in the home space do so what would you recommend one final thought on the viewers what they're just starting what would you recommend like one big thing that you is what i would recommend is to put yourself out there as scary as it may be because i know i feel that i'm still <laughs> get nervous too at this point in my life i'm still we're, some of us are just introverts we're just, so yeah, you know we'd rather just, just kind of be at you know but you have to in order to be in this industry you have to have that self-development out there because we're all in the same boats we have to start somewhere all, so everybody like, starts somewhere and you don't need to feel any type of way about putting yourself out there because who really yeah. cares? Like yeah. who, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you worry so much about what people think, but why? Yeah. It, it yeah. doesn't, it's never really mattered. And facts, facts. So, um, I learned a ton. I'm Thank you so for having me. Yes, us it was so and fun. Hope you guys enjoyed this, uh, episode 10 of cut the curve and we'll definitely, um, hook you up with Morgan's links. What's the good spot to, to reach out to you and see your so you social can media? Reach out to me if you're interested in services. It's thehomecollective.co, so .co. I'm on social media, Instagram, underscore the home collective, or we're on TikTok at the home collective. Awesome, guys. Check her out. Have a great day. Peace.